Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, this is Jose Ignacio Alfaro, producer of Are We Still Talking About This? On this episode, Jessica and Adam speak with stand-up comedian and actor Yamanika Saunders about the experience of being a person of color in therapy, as well as wounds, both physical and otherwise, and resilience. You can see Yamanika in the new season of Broad City. Want more episodes of Are We Still Talking About This? Rate and subscribe on Acast, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are available. Enjoy! Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I, I just started seeing a therapist who I think all the comics see. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say his name. Right, we are talking about yesterday. This, uh, why, why is that? Why do all the comics go to one therapist? <laughs> I think because it, it's a referral. I was referred to him by Mehran Kagani. It's just like word of mouth. It's like we all have, pretty much all have the same accountant, right? Because it's like, and then once you get into the comedy game for... Uh, as an accountant, that's very lucrative, right? The, you know, because they're big wins often. And as a therapist, most certainly, because um, there's a lot of mental health um, issues going on, for sure. It's great branding on his part. I used to be a therapist, and this guy somehow figured out a way just to cull a fantastic client base that would just keep kind of getting his name out there. Yeah. I mean, the show that this man has, if he was into the biz and I've asked him several times, does he want to do a show? Cause I feel like if he does decide to do something, I want to be the one to cash in on it. Yeah. Cause I've given him a lot of information about myself. I don't know how he compartmentalizes either because comedy is somewhat incestuous so you know it's like you gotta be I know you know he he doesn't talk about other people obviously but you know for he has to act like he doesn't know the person that you're having a beef with right <laughs> you know or some encounter in the business and you know I've heard jokes about him too Sam Morell did a joke yeah, about... Yeah, about getting better laughs. Yeah. I don't know who was who was in before Sam. It could have been me, but I don't think it was. But I've definitely had him laughing and come out the room and looked at the person like, yeah, follow that. <laughs> oh, no. So then it becomes a competition. <laughs> that may not be the best for the therapeutic space. I mean, listen, <laughs> you know, I, I love the idea of therapy. I always feel better. I call him a lot. I'm like, I need an emergency session. Depression and anxiety are real. It took me a long time to realize that I suffer from depression and anxiety because um, culturally as a black woman, like people always misdiagnose or don't pay attention. uh, And we just don't have the luxury of 
saying that we're broken, right? And something's going on because we have to always be tough. So when I decided not to do that, and that's part of my character. I don't like when I when I don't want to give a fuck, I don't force myself to give a fuck, right? Anymore. And I have uh some personality disorders to a certain extent. I'm really blank for a lot of the times. People only know that if they know me personally. So my encounters, like I think we experienced this when I came in today. I'm dead right. inside. Um but it's just because I uh really reserve all of my energy for when I have to perform. But outside of that, unless we're having a good time as friends and just like yucking it up, I'm pretty quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to learn cuz I I I'm sort of an empath. I take a lot I take people's spirits on, mm-hmm. which is dangerous. I have to center myself before I can engage. I had a problem engaging with people and uh, sort of picking up whatever they were putting down and becoming that. And then I would take that with me and it was exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So people say, I don't know how to enter a room well. Unless it's business, then I know how to enter a room because right. I have to. Are enter you good a room. at fake smiling in meetings and doing? It's that? not fake smile because when I saw you, I was like, oh my god, was there a death? Yeah, but you really? say the same shit about me, like all yeah, the time. Yeah, I say that. Yeah, <laughs> we she might be. We might be very similar. Yeah. yeah, but people, you know what right. it is because it's such a height. People see me at my highest, right. and they don't think there's any in between, right? Right. Which became exhausting for me because then I have to be everybody's entertainment. And when I'm done entertaining for the purposes of my career or things that are going to put money in my pocket, I don't want to have to entertain. You need your energy for yourself. Right. Yes. They're like little energy vampires. They yeah. And it's like and then when you're on stage, that crowd gives you energy back. Yeah. And if they don't, they um, see a different side of me. Do you remember how old you were when you first started experiencing what you now understand as depression or anxiety? Well, I was um, traumatized into anxiety. Uh, I remember it as clear as day. I was about five or six years old. I was playing outside during recess, and there was this big inner, like, uh, you know, those monster truck tires, and, mm-hmm. you know. So they had it. It was laying on its um, side, so the open part, you know, was exposed up. Right. And we used to I remember being kids, we would go in and we would tuck in the inside of it because it was shallow inside. And we would just like, you know, hide and stuff on the, the rim, the inside rim of the tire. And one day we were doing as about five kids could fit in there. And these kids from like I think I, I'm pretty certain it was like kindergarten. These kids from first grade came and filled in the hole. They just jumped in and we couldn't get out. And I remember having. Um, a panic attack and I remember seeing that throughout the rest of the day so I I remember that being the first wow. time I had trauma knowing that something could happen and I have I have no control over it and then also I remember you know some of the kids started attacking those other kids right and and like biting at them and I remember having anxiety but also thinking if I bite one of these kids and I'm not able to explain myself on what happened I'm going to get in trouble so then having to sit there and wait for the rest of these kids to get these other kids out you know fortunately a teacher came but I mean it maybe was a minute or two but it felt like an eternity that I was stuck in there so then I started to have anxiety about darkness and space people being in my space so like if I haven't engaged someone in a conversation and they come up to engage me in a conversation and I don't like them, for I mean, just their spirit. I, right. I may not even know them. Um, I will shut down on them. And there's no way for me to not do that. I've tried to not do that. Um, Can you give an example? Actually, last night, I think I did a pretty good job trying, you know, um, trying to open myself up. Um, I was sitting down, and uh, someone approached me after the show um, with two of her girlfriends. And the, her, the way her girlfriends approached me was 
not correct, right? And the way she approached me was. So they bombarded me in my space in something that I was doing without any consideration that I was doing something and started talking to me. Fuck what I was doing, right? On the phone or whatever. I was transferring. Uh, Doesn't matter. That you're no, doing right. You, yeah. So they come up and they're talking to me and I'm just looking at them and I'm not... And I'm thinking to myself, just say something to them to get rid of them. And I can't because I don't want to. So I'm just looking at them. And it's awkward. And um, one of the girls says, oh, well, you know, my friend, she, she really liked, she was scared to come over. And I, uh, I looked towards where the friend was because she wasn't there. And she was talking to somebody else and she just happened to turn around. And oh, and she comes over and it was just different, right? Whatever, they all had this high energy. It was something different about that girl's spirit. And I think it's genuinely because she, obviously she wants to talk to me, right? So she wants something. But it it was to, almost to give me something, right, that I had given her. To give me back the love I had given, right? And it's something about these girls that was just taking, more taking. I entertained you enough. Now more entertainment needs to come from me to you and I'm done <laughs> so it's things like that, that would you drive, know that would drive me crazy yeah I, I also handle those yeah. situations I, I just don't know what to do and I've never been an entertainer so it'd be in like regular life situations where I'd have people come up to me and just I'd totally lock up because I yeah. didn't know how to navigate it it took years for me to be able just to have some sort of rote exchange but usually yeah. I'm just blank and, and backing away my grandmother taught me a lot about like uh conservant energy for me, you know? I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. I, when I go into a dark place, but when I come out and I deal with people, I really just need to have as much light as possible uh so that when I go back to that place and it's not like a dark like murderous place. Right. It's just for me to see and call on experience. I think I'm very vulnerable on stage and I don't lie and I don't hide anything. There's a lot of deep, dark basement <laughs> dwelling <laughs> that has to happen to unpack a lot of these things. But, you know, that's where I am. You mentioned you just started therapy. Is that? Yeah, I started therapy. You know, we just, you know, I guess my family probably would hate. The <laughs> I think, really think it's a black thing, too. It's just something about telling white people our business. Ain't nobody really trying to do. That's how we got enslaved. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, none of it makes any sense. You tell this white man what? We don't even, I think that's why a lot of black people aren't Catholic, because we don't even go to a priest. And we had, you know, definitely had to make Jesus black just so we could pray to him. You know, it's about information overload and how to let somebody know that you're vulnerable. Because um, although I run my therapist, <laughs> I think, I like I come, I'm like, listen, here's what's going on. I had this, 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 this. Now, I'm telling you, this is what I did, and this is why I did it. Now, I know what you're going to say, and that's wrong. So tell me, <laughs> other than saying what I know you're going to say, what the problem is. And then he, like, runs me after the And what if you don't like his answer? Do you say, do you, like, sort of argue with him? Or I really like my therapist's spirit. It's something about him that's very calming. I think people could do with or without him, to be honest with you. I think I think that's anything with a therapist. It's all about how can I receive information from you and do I trust you enough to because you when you talk about comics after that, you know, as as different as we all are, you're talking about people, especially those who can successfully execute comedy being uh heightened intelligence and uh not falling for the okie doke so i'm the type of person you can tell me um i used to be scared of flying like big time and people say it's irrational to be scared of flying and i go I it's too. not it's not irrational and they go well you're more likely to die in a car crash than you are than a plane accident and my thinking is yeah but somebody's gonna die in a plane crash 
<laughs> right? That's not the way I can cope. You telling me what's more likely to happen because somebody is going to die. And when we say somebody's going to die, somebodies are going to die in a plane crash. We are all a part of somebodies. So what's the next step? Because these little, like, dumb antidotes that people tell people to, like, you know, get out there and do it. You're a star. That's not true. Not everybody is a star. And I know people who are real stars that never made it. So, you know, we have. I, I'm about qualifying the problem finding a solution and applying those things to the result of success because I am faith-based as well which is also considered to be irrational but I believe it right as it concrete evidence so for me I can go and pray and then I go well then it's up to God right at this point in time so I take it off of me and I put it somewhere else so that it doesn't it's not about applying these things that I can't control. I just got to 100% give up control. You know, I've done that in my career. So I've done a lot of things that I'm like, oh, I didn't even know. Like when I look back, I go, man, so many people, without <laughs> damaging my team or anybody that has ever been on my team, some of the things that I've been told, no, and I couldn't, and I never uh, – I go into a deep, dark depression, which I love my depressions. And then I come out like a phoenix, and I'm not listening to anyone. I don't give a damn about any of the things that I see. I just know what I want, and I'm going to go get it, and then I'm going to check it off and do something else. What you're describing sounds like you're using a lot of the techniques of cognitive behavioral therapy. Oh, really? Yeah, like you're analyzing what's mm -hmm. real, what's going mm -hmm. on. You're saying, I can control this. I can't control this. These are the things that I can do that will improve my situation for me. Right. So I'm going to try them. I'm going to see if they work or don't. And if they don't work, I'm going to stop doing them. Yeah. My resolve when I want something is long-suffering to a certain extent, right? But I also have to weigh the benefit what I want. Sometimes that people misinterpret that as being manipulative, but I apply those skills a lot in relationships. Whenever I break up or I'm broken up with by someone, I assess how much damage I want to be left with, right? So if they break me and I feel 80% damage, I'm going to go back until I can fix it, until I can get to 35% because that's where I feel comfortable. And the process, I will be tearing down the spirit of that person only to rebuild them before we end. And if any of my exes are listening to this, they will know that is true. <laughs> so you start doing that before the relationship's over? No, once it's ended. If I'm not happy with how it ended, I will go back in there. I will swan dive back into a relationship that no longer exists and it now exists in my mind because we have to clear some things up. We have to get to a certain place. And then when I'm done, I'm we're done. And do you do that with the person or do you do that with yourself? Oh, I do that with them. I mean, that sounds pretty constructive to me. Yeah, they don't like it, but they like it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they did some things that were not so hot. So whether right. they like it or not, that's kind of not the point. Right. right. Yeah. How long did it take you to get to a place where you could do all this stuff? Um, I the last two years maybe. Oh. I didn't deal with men for a long time. I don't want to get my value from men, right? And uh, it is hard as a woman in this society not to have that come up a lot because that's everything run, runs us to that. Even if a woman eschews all of those things vanity-wise, it still somehow comes back to um, seeking validation from men. I remember being a kid, and <laughs> I was raised uh, by my grandparents and off and on by my mother and uh, my aunt, who was, has special needs. I remember I was always like, ugh, if only Grandpa could leave. We we would run this, you know what I mean? Like, and I love my grandfather. I didn't want to, like, I didn't hate him. I just was like, uh, this man, we could just be a, like, 
a house of just women, you know? And so I would not invite him to things. I wouldn't tell him about things. I would tell him at the last minute so he wouldn't have a chance to get dressed. <laughs> um, you know, I spent a lot of time um, leaving him out of things, but also I spent a lot of dedicated time with him one-on-one so that I could control how he was in my life. Like, even as a kid, I'm very much like that how I deal with him. And as I got older, I started to realize like a lot of the strength I got as a woman really came from my grandfather because he was always like, you know, never let a man control you, never depend on a man for money. You always have your own money. You know, he taught me how to like (laughs) change a tire and oil and all that other stuff. And like, you know, really kind of like tomboyed me a little bit. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Maryland. Where in Maryland? I was born in Baltimore. Okay. And I wish that's where I stayed. Because <laughs> then I get street cred. But I grew up in Hartford County, which is very boring. I grew up in Montgomery County, which is also oh, very, see? very boring. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, yeah. It was nothing going on, not even the rent. Um, I live right behind um, the Aberdeen Proving Ground. Okay. So, yeah. I, I read in uh, one article that you said you were one of the few minorities in your school. In, yeah. In Maryland. Yeah. I mean... Trauma based upon race is a whole different other element, and it has affected my life, but not so much that I I think I'm a different person, just that I'm a persistent and vocal person that oftentimes gets mislabeled as, like, militant because I've experienced so many things in my past where I was shut down specifically because of my race that my antenna is up to that and for a while I used to say I don't want it to be like that you know I I just wanted to be peace and love and then I got to a point where I was like well that's not the world and yeah there are a lot of times where I think I make white people uncomfortable why because I'm just not for the bullshit like um I did a show I said I was supposed to do this show, and I said yes to this show, and then a show, something came up, and I thought I had to leave, so I I had to, you know, tell them I couldn't do the show, and then my plans fell through. I mean, that's how the business is. Oh, you got to go to L.A. No, we're changing the date. It's not this, it's not that. So I wound up being at this club for a show that I was not supposed to be on, but now on, so I was like, oh, hey, you know, can I get on? The first level was, it was run by two white women, nothing against them. And the one white lady goes, so what happened? Like, where were you? Like, you know, like, like, oh, bitch, I don't owe you any explanation. Number one, not no disrespect, because I'm not, um, I'm not, I don't have an ego like this, but just level to level, you ain't even on my level, to ask me. Right, they should be thrilled that you're right. right. doing this. You know club. what I'm saying? Yeah. That you're I'm doing a uh, favor. A thousand percent. Right. And if you were maybe a man, uh, there's no way that. Sure. Right. But even this, and from my perspective, is here's this white lady asking me where the hell, like, I got to check in with her. And so, you don't know her, right? It's just some. But touch and go. Like, okay. people know me, and I have to pretend I know them. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, like, hey. Right. I don't know the fuck you. I <laughs> to not Bruce <laughs> Right, ego, right. And yeah. so that's why if I ever say, hey, baby, hey, child, hey, whatever, it's because I don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> that's a nasty girl. And then, so then I go and up. And they just think you're just being right. friendly and loving. Right, yeah. right, right. And I'm just like. Dominique yeah, is my friend. <laughs> now, I am generous and loving and all those things, but I'm never, I'm, I spend so much time having people usurp over me what they're just thoughts of how I should be moving in this life in this skin that I don't let people do I'm very sensitive to that and I can pick up on the cues so after that that encounter I just said to her something like girl please you know what I mean like I just kept it moving then I go on (laughs) and I have a great set right and then her partner comes up another white lady and I watched this woman before I went up and the comic and how she interacted with the comic. And as soon as I left, it was all this, 
hey, because girlfriend, girlfriend. And I'm just oh, no. like, she's talking oh, to me God. like that. And I'm like, well, where? So I asked her. I said, where? Where was all this? What are you? Why are you doing this girlfriend thing to me? Like, that's not even how I'm, I'm engaging you with you. Yeah. You know? And so a lot of times it's like the the mental trauma of being a person of color in America, the fact that more people of color are not in therapy, again, like I said, it is a mistrust of that environment. And am I giving you information that you can use against me? When I was a therapist, there's a big push um, to have more people of color, color as practitioners because the whole thought is you want someone maybe who's more sympathetic to this person's life experience mm-hmm. and that it's just not therapeutically advantageous to have a bunch of white men doing therapy with people across the board. Right. And I mean, it's just a, a real thing that I know I only know about because I was in the field for a second and I worked with a lot of um, people of color who became practitioners just because they didn't have the representation they wanted. Yeah. And they needed help, you know. I mean, it is also, I think, being in this world, it is hard to have. Uh, as a person of color, downtime to really sit down and talk to somebody about something because there's all kinds of things could be hitting you at any point in time. My therapist and I've and I when I before I got with my therapist, who is an older, I'm just gonna say older because I don't like to say old, but you know there's a lot of Christmas time action going on with his hair. Is older and Jewish, right? And Sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to have to break down the whip whip with him, right? There's just short language that I want to get to to get to the point. And and not only is there a generational gap between the two of us, there's now a, um, what I like to call sister girl speak that I may have with my girlfriends that I'm trying to have with him because that's the easiest way to get to the point. Right. But then I, I may have to go back and explain. But the, he's good at that. He's good at like, that's the other thing I hate when sometimes when a black person is talking and a white person goes, what? What did they say? And it's just like, are you listening to them? Because even if you don't know exactly what the words are, you understand right. the context of what's right. being said. So he's really good at that. Like when I just had like a listen, I don't, I don't have time. I said his name, whatever. Yeah. I said, I don't have time. I don't have time. Just, this is what it is. Bop, 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 bop. He's like, okay, I he's got you. He's probably writing down in his book what like, all the, <laughs> or, or, right. Yeah, so so just, he's making like a, you, you know, think he's a making glossary. a glossary. He's making a glossary from Sure. Time. But he has to do that with, I think, with everybody, exactly. right? right? Because uh, we're just, there's just a different language as well with um, with comics. And there's a uh, uh, different, because I think he has some regular clients. I've seen some people where I was just like, oh, they got to be regular. And I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Boring, you know, like, you know, I always saw Alan said, you don't know where I just came from. I could have, just robbed a CVS. Like my energy is either like I just robbed a CVS or like I've been playing PS4 all day feeding my cats. There's like really no um in between. Which is pretty common in the room. Usually people are really, really reserved and you gotta pull stuff out of them or something just happened and they kinda need to express a lot of what they're going on and then your job is just to sit there and process and maybe at the very end you mm-hmm. you kind of say you can reiterate what they said to you and encourage them a bit, but I mean that's, that's sort of the gig. You're supposed yeah. to shut the fuck up. If if a therapist is ever talking way too much, I'm always really suspicious because they don't yeah. know you. Right. Like it's impossible that they know you. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks of data they're getting from you to begin to appreciate. Okay, this is the emotional truth of this person. This is how I can help them help themselves. Yeah. But any idiot that's just like you should do this, you should do that, they have no idea what they're talking about. It's yeah. actually unethical to do that. There's a diff- there's another element that I, that comics have like, you know, my therapist texts me. He's like, "Oh, I watched your special," and I'm like, "Oh yeah." There's here's another because sometimes the therapist doesn't get a chance to see the person in their work element. So I'm I remember when he said that I was like, oh, because now I'm like, oh, he knows this other thing, and he knows that what I present is not what I bring in the office a lot, right? Right. 
Did um, you ask him to watch it? No. I think we talked about it because it was some it was some other things going on around that time, and um, I had to leave him to go do it. So I made a big thing about it, and uh, that's how we started talking about it. And then it was some drama, not a, not not with that, but some drama about that I was nervous about how my breasts. I mean, I had seen it already, but I have two wounds on my breasts, <laughs> and they thought it was nipples the whole time. And so I was like, I hope. Like, I, I was so stressed out about that, but it wound up being fine. But it was like, I was so, and I kept saying to him, I'm like, I was saying to him, this is an example of how I get something great and then something fucked up happens. Right. And I need to start changing my thinking around that because I don't want to go into things. Um, I used to do this thing where I'd talk doom about something so that I would be pleasantly surprised when it worked out. Catastrophizing oh, I, is the is the Yeah, the, I used the to do that, that too. Yeah. Yeah. Or when something good happens to me, I think that there's something, you know, some other shoe is about to drop. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get this opportunity because the other one yeah. is going to be no more as opposed yeah. to just embracing good yeah it's a lot to unpack um how did you get the wounds i was cleaning and i had some incense i love burning incense which i don't do anymore (laughs) and uh i was clean i had the incense on a shelf and i was like wiping the shelf down and just trying to wipe around the holder instead of picking it up oh my god and it the ash fell down and then it it hit one breast yeah but it's like that skin is so thin it started to sizzle, like Jesus. And so instead of like m- pull, it, like doing this, I smushed the other breast into oh it. So I have twin, <laughs> and I have keloid skin. So now like it has this wound on, and people think it's my nipples, and it's not. Oh God! I'll show you. you. You can. This is better now, but I. Oh my God! Similar. What happened? Um, this originally was uh incense as well no I, I would put cigarettes out on my chest when i when i was younger oh so it started yes. with that craziness and then at the we got to be around the same age because we used to try to put cigarettes out on our palm yeah <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's maryland i don't know oh, it, <laughs> might be, thing? it might be a maryland thing oh you uh, didn't think it? you had street cred but you, you had you know you guys uh, maryland trauma but, yeah. mt <laughs> But then a- after I did it, I That's was in. That's pretty hardcore, guys. We didn't do that no, in the city. And I you grew never up in New stopped York. your. We used to put them out and no. smash them out of yeah. your hand. We smoked in the bathroom in school. Uh, That's about it. But a- after I did this, I was in. Uh, a friend of mine had MS, so she was in the mm-hmm. hospital. Mm-hmm. But she, for whatever reason, or maybe it was cerebral palsy, but she was in a pediatric ward. Right. So I had I would go visit her and drop off paperwork, and somehow in that my little travels there, I got a very strange infection in my chest. I bet you did. Yeah. <laughs> I, went, I went in to see them, and they're like, have you been traveling to third world countries? I'm like, no. They're like, where, no. where the fuck did you get this giant pustule that won't go away? Right, right, for bringing paperwork to a woman with MS. Yeah. I mean, which paperwork she need? <laughs> it's just like Seemed like paperwork would be the last thing, yeah. right? Huh? She's probably had enough of it <laughs> in her life, one would imagine. But then it just oh kept spiraling and wouldn't heal, and I kept right. fucking with it because I'm a picker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I made it worse and worse. I had to get all these shots. Yeah, so now I have giant keloid tissue all over my... So you know that keloid... That yeah. keloid is real. That was like when Halle Berry got into the accent. She has keloid skin, and they were like flipping out because they thought her career might be over because she had a scar on her face, and they right. were trying to make sure it didn't heal. Because like keloid skin is like your your skin doesn't realize it's been healed, so it keeps producing skin and skin yep. until it becomes like a thick wound. Right. Uh, so, which is also an excellent metaphor for uh, life to me. They, right. They have an old term for it. They used to call it proud flesh, which was something that horses would get. Okay. And it was this ever healing wound because they didn't realize that the body was actually past the trauma. Right. Yeah. Well, proud flesh. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I went into a dermatologist around that time, like in the aftermath. It was really nasty. Mm-hmm. And I also have cystic acne. So they were like bubbling up, which is, you know, wonderful for a young man's self esteem. So they go and right. I get the shots in my cyst. And the, the, dermatologist who was very nice asked me if I was dating anybody and I said yes and he looks at me and he's like you know you don't want to be with anyone who would judge you because of your skin stuff right and I'm like wow that's a very very kind dermatologist right yeah. and actually and also unrealistic because men never <laughs> yeah. get judged like that that's more right. of a woman you know what I'm saying a woman doesn't care you could have horns coming out of your damn throat you know as long as you single some women is uh, in to I, win it I'm out of my head 
Right. <laughs> because of my religion. That's so. true. You know, yeah. That's why, you know, it's uh, it's such a whip-whap. I experienced uh, depression when I was on the Meredith Vieira show. I was doing that every taping, like, four days a week, two times a day. And then I went on tour uh, with Tracy Morgan at the time. And then I would be on the road with him Friday through Sunday, fly back Sunday, red eye to be available wow. five o'clock in the morning Monday. Wow, what a schedule. And it presented itself in a breakout in my body and sickness. So I would vomit a lot. I had hives. It presented itself like it was a cold. It wasn't. Um, and I had to wear body makeup for the last what month and a half two months of the show run because i had all these <laughs> splotches all over my body and it they first it was like it's a chicken hives, pox right? and i had i had yeah it was hives like no i don't have chicken i had chicken pox already had measles all that stuff and i had these stress hives that were so crazy and they would um the sensor in them when i would get irritated it would feel like my flesh was on fire so I would have to sit somewhere and just let my body relax. So that's really why I'm also why I'm at the point where I was like, I need to see a therapist and I got to chill out because, you know, I encounter like stress and anxiety. I had a I'm always making sure I don't have a fallen down moment. Right. I don't like the Michael Douglas film. Just yes. For people who haven't seen that fantastic, <laughs> fantastic movie. It is one of my favorite movies. And my I, there's just I'm not gonna spoil it, but there's a scene. He just wants a breakfast sandwich. Oh, it's the best. And the I golf cart. You to have to see. I, I, I think we can it. spoil it because it came out 25 years ago. <laughs> okay. But so he's at a, um, you know, we'll call it a, a movies or whatever the yeah. pretend fast food restaurant has, and he can see the breakfast sandwich he wants, but it's like a minute past the time, and they won't give it to him. And he's had a really, really, really bad day. But he's in line. Mm -hmm. He yeah. was in line when That's breakfast right. was still going. Right. So by the time they take him, breakfast is over, but breakfast is sitting right there. Right. And it's just like, can I have, and it's like, no, sir, breakfast is over. It cannot be over. I see, just give me that scene. I'm not even asking you to make it. So it's that kind of thing. There's, there's a golf scene. He pulls out like an AR-15 oh, yeah. at the end of that, right? I, you, Oh, you really trying to spoil it? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I mean, he does. He he shoots up the place. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it's it's seeing the other side of why I'm not justifying anybody going to no malls and shit like that. Right. But you see the other side of where not every person is just some crazy deranged person. Some people just been pushed to their brink. Right. And I feel like sometimes I get pushing my I was on a train and I talked about this on my podcast because I was on my way to record my podcast when I when I had this problem and I came in and I was just I was so angry I encountered a woman with a, um she was obviously crazy right she was having uh, somebody released her and just let her do whatever she wanted and she sat on that train with her cart a big cart and she stood at the door so you couldn't really get out if somebody else was standing next to her right so she had already encountered another woman who was trying to get on the train was having a back and forth with her and then she realized she was crazy and it was like everybody's kind of like girl just let it go because the woman's nuts so now I, ha I have to get off the train and I'm already anticipating that I have to, I'm too far away from the other door and it's crowded for me to go that, like to scoot past people. To, so I'm like, get your mind together. You're going to have to go around her. But I'm thinking the five people that are standing there have common sense enough to know that they need to step out or step in so that people can get out. And I stood there. And I said, excuse me, to them, right? Because this woman's not going to move. And they're sitting there like stupid pigeons, just looking around. I said, excuse me. So now the train's about to close and people can't get it. And I flipped out. I took this woman's cart. I don't even know where I had the strength. I didn't know my own strength. I was cast down. I was broken. I'm singing the words differently so that the estate of Whitney Houston doesn't come back to me. But I did not know my own strength. I picked that cart up and I ripped that cart up to the air. But that bitch was quick because she caught it. And 
she hit me and the rage from when I was in the tire when I was in kindergarten came back to me and I hit that lady back with such force and I said and I had to stop myself and I look at these people and I go and I'm I'm just waiting for the footage to come out somebody had to have taken their camera out and I said to them why would you stand there and you know this woman has uh, mental problems and this all could have been avoided because of you guys you are the worst people <laughs> in the entire world god i wish i was on the train yeah and i hope your trip is ruined <laughs> so that's that's me just trying to like navigate away from people i have a lot of space issues i don't i don't like people on top of me i don't like people to look at me that doesn't mean don't look at me now okay, but like <laughs> I it's something about me. I am interesting to people, so I'll be somewhere and it'll be like that—a look—and then I'm like turning myself away from them to give them a moment to process. And I come back; they're still looking at me, and then I have to—I start to sweat. This is fucking threatening. Right. I would be like, why is that motherfucker staring at me? What are they planning on doing? Yeah. Why are you staring at me? I'm not that interesting. Take a glance. I get it. The hair, the ambiance of what I'm wearing. (laughs) But take a glance. But I'm very much like that. I um, I always. You get three seconds. That's the three second rule. Yeah. Just, Just take a look. But I'm telling you, it's I have this. I hate to say third eye because I don't, I don't, I don't like getting into that kind of stuff. But there's a sixth sense about me that I can read people and their bullshit, and then I tune out. And it's hard for for you to get through to me if I've determined I don't want to be bothered with you. Right. And unfortunately, I can read people's spirits within seconds. And not want to be bothered with them. I wish I had that power. Well, you- I've never been wrong. Well, with, maybe out of my entire life, maybe three or four times I've been wrong about a person. Sometimes I know and I just don't want to believe it. And I just keep giving. I think that's the thing. That's it. I think- mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I just I just keep giving a little more time, a little more time. That yeah. something really fucked will happen. And then for me, that's it. I won't. I, there's no second chances with me. But sometimes I have to let something happen. Yeah, I'm like that as well. I can do that because I think with that, right, is somebody has sort of a character flaw that makes them inconsistent with being someone that you can depend on or trust. And then there are people which I'm speaking about. Their entire spirit is not aligned with mine. And I don't want to be bothered. So when I encounter those people and I don't speak to them, their whole mission is to get me to speak to them or give them attention. And the narrative, especially in this society, is that as a big black and woman, that I am somehow want to make you better and I want to love you and I want to I'm here to make you feel good right I am uh the gatekeeper between you and wherever you are now and the other side which is happiness and I'm telling people that if they take on those things if you consider me like a Nell Carter from Give Me a Break or you think I'm Whoopi Goldberg in the movie whatever with Neil Patrick Harris where she was his nanny or whatever the hell uh, Karina Karina whatever it is if you think I'm you know those things I'm I'm not because you will I will leave you in your misery all right I have told a lot of my white girlfriends this. I don't give a fuck about what you're going through. <laughs> I really don't. Because I'm going through something, right? Um, I'm not I can't help you. 
Um, I can't give you no words. I'm I'm not Iyala Van Zant. I don't have um, the tools. You know, it is um, it is it is very much like one of my friends who has a baby, and I said, "You already training this little white baby to like want to be on black boobs." You feel like it's like how like everyone has you know people want to have a gay friend. You feel like white women will be like, "Oh, my my black girlfriend," like that. Yeah, you know what it is. It is Does it not, feel like, not that? like a typecast. Like, do you feel like you're being like, like the typecast friend? Is that what you're you're you're, you're talking about? I'm trying to get a, a sense. Yes, but not always, right? Like one of my one of my really girl good girlfriends is Irish, and um, her and I bond because we like to get the party started. In terms of like, you know, we've been in more street frights than street rats. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Eileen. Um, she, her and I have, <laughs> it's to the point where I'm surprised her husband really even lets us still hang out because we we get the party started. You understand? Like, when it, whenever there's an injustice against women or with it, we've encountered some men who try, who try us, right? right? And then we go, I, I, this is my saying. Because I've, I've had men want to fight me. I have that kind of personality. And I've wow. said, because I'm not going to take no shit, right? And if you think you're going to say something to me, and because I'm a woman, I'm just going whatever, you're going to find out the hard way. You know, of course, obviously, I got to look and make sure I ain't got no weapons on them. Because right. I ain't, you know, <laughs> I ain't a, a, a Marvel character. But I say this. I've said this to men before. You're going to fight me, I'm going to fight you. Now, I may go to the hospital. Understand? Like you may get the best of me and I may go to the hospital, but you also going. You also going to the hospital. I may be in ICU, you may be in inpatient, outpatient, but you're going to the hospital too. So <laughs> by hook I or crook. Be laughing, but I am. It's the amount of challenges that I have had from men is crazy, right? Um, you know, I think what it is is some and not that Maryland's gotten to recently. Maryland's been in a lot of racist shit for some whatever reason. But I, I guess it's like people have a idea, right? Um, like, oh, you know, black, you know, and it's like, like black people are aliens that came from some, you know, like out of space, been around, black right? People. But where you ain't been around black people is right. <laughs> where. And if you ain't never been around a black person, I don't want to. Be I I I don't want to be around you. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't. It's and and like I encounter people in New York, right? We encounter people from all kinds of places. You ain't never some guy from Istanbul or some shit like that. And then you don't just go. You don't look at them like they've in the damn zoo and shit like that. So it's like if whatever experience, whatever black experience you're trying to get from me, I probably can't give it to you because I'm just I just got a human experience, right? And I actually had a, a white guy say this to me the other day, which was weird because I think he was hitting on me too. It was so weird. And he's like, you know, I just want to be like a black woman. And I was like, oh, God. And then he's like, no, 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 wait, no. I mean, I said, he goes, no, I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I said, no, the fact that you even started it like yeah, that yeah, yeah. is crazy. He's like, well, no, because, like, I watch RuPaul's Drag oh, Race. And I'm God. like, oh, my God. Can does it get, does it get worse? It, not only did it get, I was like, Next thing you know, you're going to ask me to do a number from The Wiz. I mean, like, what what are you talking about? And I said, if I started a conversation with you about I just want to be like a white man, like, you know, nobody's ever trying to relate and identify to you with coming in with some white shit or white, right? right. It's how many times is it like, oh, like, how do you get your hair like that? Um, Listen, newsflash. The wig game started with white men, okay? The powdered wig game started at, we just, we we culturally appropriated that. And then we was like, okay, he, you know what I'm saying, Thomas Edison fucking that shit up, so we gonna sew a lace front in, because he don't, why wouldn't he even sew it down? Bobby pins, really? So it's like, and it's also, <laughs> it's 2019, everybody wearing fake hair, if they can. You know what I'm saying? Or they not, but they like, this is not like, it ain't like you came from like 1923, you know what I'm saying? And it's like a, a whole new world. And you're like, what's going on with this newfangled hair? Everybody, no hair. <laughs> hair is a billion dollar industry. You know hair. 
And I used to say, I used to get plaits, right? I get the cornrows and braids and stuff. And so I go to school, and these girls would be like, "I don't understand how you have. How do you black girls do with the hair?" And at the meantime, there's a commercial running on TV for Secret Hair. I said, "Bitch, y'all got an 800 number for Secret Hair? Little clips and pins. Remember Secret Hair?" Um. You know, I've been with uh, recently. I've been with two white guys. I'm still processing that. I. You know, it's weird. It's weird, those dynamics when you get with somebody and you go, I'm not trying to be a science project for you, right? right? Or for you to say um, that you did something. Like, um, some of my girlfriends be like, oh, you never been with a white guy before? And I go, no. And they go, well, why? And I go, oh, I never thought about it. Like, I never, I, I don't have a list of, like, right. let me check this off. So when I, when the first white guy <laughs> I got with, it, I didn't even I didn't even think of it like that. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, okay, here's a guy. We're interested in each other. I mean, obviously when we got to the bedroom it was like, well, this is the first time I'm seeing a white penis. So, you know, the unpacking process was <laughs> was a little crazy. But um but it was all there, all his bits and pieces, just so like on a black guy. He was circumcised or he wasn't circumcised? He was circumcised. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I could see. No, I, I, well, I could see it. It's clear as day. Penis. I've never been with a peekaboo. No. I think if I was, I don't know. I'm just. I don't want to say it because if it's something, I just. I don't want. There's enough to unpack. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean. I feel like, and and I don't want my therapist to go through the trauma because I would take that to him. Well, you should. I mean, yeah. that's his job. Yeah. Whatever the fuck you want to him. What do I do with this? Right. Um, he's already got me on a no sex thing for a while, which is nuts. But he says that um, I like flattery, which I'm shocked. I I get annoyed sometimes with compliments, but I think I understand in that capacity of love that I have. I want to be flattered, right? And then that's how you fall for a fuck boy. Because they know the things to say. And I've been dealing with men that I don't necessarily want to deal with because I really love intimacy and sex. So I'm just getting it from whoever's available that is the least amount of hassle. But then it inadvertently becomes more hassle. Right. So that's the play. I'm. I, we're dealing with that now. I'm very much like a man, where I'm just like I don't really need to. You know, we ain't gotta make this thing official. <laughs> but can you just be available? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think men are put off by that, right? Because where do you they, meet? Where do you meet guys? Well, for a long time, I was dipping in this pool, this open mic pool, um, <laughs> and I had to stop. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like I, you know, my my, my vagina was requiring a two drink minimum, uh, and it's always weird. Those situations become weird because it was a, uh, I never, I always slept down, right? I never slept in on my level or up. Right, Sharon Stone. She said you can only fuck your way to the middle. <laughs> yeah, right. But you speaking like physically or career wise? Career wise, okay. because I. Not that I care. I, I'm I'm funny enough for people to never think, oh, she got this because she's with somebody. But I never wanted that. It's a so, women in entertainment thing. I always take pride in that too. Like, oh, I've never dated, you know, anyone yeah. that gave me anything. Yeah, no, I nobody gave me myself, anything. You know? Yeah, it's all says, myself. Oh, how'd you get? Who helps you in Hollywood? I said, bitch, I help myself. You know? <laughs> yeah, not not the two drink minimums and and the I was I was sleeping with men who had to put their name on a list to get the mic. What happened in that? is there's a power struggle, right? Because, and I feel this with, I'm sure with powerful women in general, no matter what, but especially as a comic and you dealing with a comic that's not on your level and they're a man, a lot of ego things happen. And I realized with a couple of them, it was constantly trying to tear me down and break me down so that we could somehow be on the same level because you know where where some of these people will end up 
after the fact, I don't know. But I know up until this point right now, I've never slept with a comic that was funnier than me. Or if for that matter, really needs to be on a show with me. Those things probably have changed over time, and I've let a lot of things go, which I'm so happy about. And now when I see a comic, a male comic, I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> ugh, I'm so into... And, but that was also me stepping out and becoming more of a woman. I didn't, you know, I didn't start having sex until late. I was 27. I wasn't really experienced with men. And now I've experienced men who are... You know, I've been with a doctor. I've been with a lawyer. I've been with a chef. You know, it's like... Heaven forbid I want to be with somebody like still hustling and trying to get their stuff together because I'm at a point where while I'm still hustling, I pretty much have my stuff together and I just want an equal partner. Don't we all? Yeah. There's two me's. There's there's me that's on stage, confident and sure, and has all the answers and knows and knows what I want to tell people. And then it's me off stage who wishes that I had someone like me that's on stage that could help me. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of issues, problems, anxieties, fears, concerns, but I also am fearless when I'm on stage and not concerns and very sure. And that's really anything that I do with comedy. I'm very sure um, very um, bold and confident. But maybe if I had that all the time in my real life, I mean, I wouldn't be able to speak to it on stage, you know? Um, yeah, I really try to be the person that I would look up to when I'm on stage. It, it sounds like to me that you're, just based on our short conversation, pretty fearless off stage too. I mean, you, you take the time to really examine your own motivations, what you're feeling emotionally, what you need to do emotionally, and then you do something about it. Yeah, not just in comedy in life. Yeah. I mean, you know, I go up there and it's boom, 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 right? In real life, I have to take steps, right? Um, And I have to figure it out. But I, when I turned 30, I started that process of, you know, not every time I have an argument, you know, we all feel right. We all feel like we're right. And I said to myself, every time I would disagree with somebody, I'm I'm not always right. I It can't always be I'm right. So I started making an assessment of just like, am I wrong? So I look at myself a lot. I go to my friends, too, and I'll lay bare. Where did I mess up? Or one of the things that really helped my career is when somebody would do something against me or somebody I didn't care for would win or get some level of success or something, and I would sit there and go, how could they win, right, when they did this thing to me? How could how can they get a blessing? And that probably was around the age of 35. I started correcting that. And then, like, 34 going into 35. And when I started correcting that, when I started going, what, what, just focus on your, you know, like, stop. <laughs> Who cares? So, what is that? You know, and I, and I said, every time I feel that, I have a couple of friends I can go to. Sometimes I tell Alan, I go. I just want to sit down and be honest for a second. I hate that this person got this, 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 because they did this, 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 this to me. And how dare they get this, 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 this. And and I tell them when I sit down to tell them this, I'm laying all this here. And I'm when I get up, I'm not taking it with me. That's why I have to tell you. And it's um, these confessions that I do to get rid of this negativity that is in me. I always tell people, Sometimes we, like, try to act as if we are, oh, I never get jealous. Oh, I always root, and I never get bitter, and I'm never blah, 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 right? And that was causing me so much anxiety to sit there and act like I didn't have this and this and that. When I did, that the only way I can function is when I have some shit, I got to confess it. 
and then I can let it go because I don't want it to stay inside me and fester. It causes me to have anxiety and depression. It causes me to not look at myself. And my whole goal in life now is to just keep looking at myself and the things that I want and not selfishly either the things that I want, the things that I want that make sense to humanity. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, I'm an angel floating, you know, with doves and shit like that. I'm just saying, like, I I don't want to keep running and chasing something <clears throat> that's not going to work and it's not going to happen if it does. And also because sometimes I think God doesn't need things to happen, but sometimes he does need things to happen and he needs them to happen in his own time. So that's the only thing I can do now is try to be the best person I can be. I do that through therapy. I do that through confessing, writing things down whenever I feel anxiety, which is a constant doom, a feeling of like, I have to go outside and I don't want to engage with the world. I just want to sit on my couch and I want to go to sleep. Those things I have to fight against every single day. Um, sadness. I am almost certain that there is some um, manic depression. Um, some things make me really, really happy. Really happy, you know? And then some things make me so sad that I have to just sit still and um, I get agitated on the phone a lot. My mother calls me when I'm manic a lot um, because she starts to hit those triggers of asking me things that she should ask me, but I'm not ready to unpack it. So I hang up on her a lot. Um, <laughs> my poor mom. And then I text her. We do the thing where we hang up on each other and then go, I'm sorry, I just can't deal with you right now mm -hmm. um, because I don't want anything to happen to my mom. And then I, the last thing I did was hang up on her. So I tell her. Um, and my mom knows that I suffer from depression and she's constantly praying for me and she knows suicide rate is very high, especially in comedy. And she constantly calls me about suicide. And I always said, I am the person that probably um, would kill themselves one day, but I have faith, so I don't. Um, but I also love life. But also, I'm tired of people. <laughs> um, and I, I don't want to be ungrateful for the things that God's given me. But I also um, wish there was more. <laughs> um, but it's just the things, it's just, uh, you know, having to do shows, you know, and put a show together. And then I think that pilot caused me to have anxiety whenever I'm on a pilot I'm working on a pilot there's at least two or three times throughout that process where I'm I go home I sit backwards on my couch and I just look at my wall oh my god I do the same thing I call it the wall yes yes I told a friend in LA I said uh, I said he said we have a joke where you call it the wall he's like watching the wall tonight I said I do I am <laughs> Not the Pink Floyd documentary. What's your What's your wall have? It does nothing. 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 Mine has the flowers. Okay, pink I just and need brown to look flowers. At nothing. Well, maybe you should come over to my house and we'll sit at the wall at my snacks. wall. Yeah, that's and it. Have snacks. That's it. No, music. you got to come over and do that with me. I would then love that. You I like wall. zone out. Zone out. That's yeah, it. and then I go into a nice place where it's like, I don't want to. I don't want to get shaken from it. Right. Because right? in that place is a lot of. Uh, and I think that's the close to this, right? In inside me is all the tools that I need um, and that I can pull out that make me uniquely who I am. But I have to go in there and get it. And going in it to get it is a chore. Might I suggest a heated blanket for the wall? Oh my God! Because you'll really that, that that's really takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, I just discovered this week. I use weighted blankets that they, uh, you know, are supposed to be for children with uh, Down syndrome and stuff. I, I got one of those. It's yeah. fantastic. It's like where 50 you get that pounds, from? Uh, Amazon. Really? Yeah, it helps with anxiety. So it's just kind of like weighs you down a bit. That's what I need. I used to get um, pedicures to help with my anxiety, but my feet are so bad, I get more anxiety going in there and watching them ladies lose their whole <laughs> depression. They go, they go into depression when right. they see my feet. <laughs> That's a, that's a disgusting job. It, it, but some women have Scraping beautiful feet. feet. 
Some bitches got beautiful feet. My feet look like they were in the opening credits of Sanford and Son. Oh I'm about God. to make you feel a lot better. About your feet. <laughs> oh, do not take those off. Let me stick up in here. <laughs> oh wait, that's a good one. Uh, oh one. yes, you got some hairy toes. Like a hobbit. Yeah. Did you ever put glue on your hands, or any part where you had hair and like peel All it the off? Time. See, this, maybe it's a Maryland thing. We. Yeah, like look, like look at that thing. Oh my God, what's up with that toe? What uh, happened? Uh, I. I do Muay Thai, which is like kickboxing. Yes. So I kick stuff. Then I got a massive fungal infection for three years. And then I kept stubbing it and trying to get it off. And it like half healed and wouldn't go off. And now it's just disgusting. Oh, my God. I had a toe fall off. And they put a fake one on with uh, the acrylics. And then my toe was growing into that. Oh, and geez. it was a hole. So I had to have my whole toe removed. The, whole, the, oh. pin, the nail on the toe. I'm sorry about that. Daughter. Thank you. I mean, they still was charging me like I had a toe. Toenail. I said, don't charge me for this toenail. <laughs> oh, my God. What are you painting? You painting nothing. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs>